You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. In today's episode, we'll see how silver can become gold and how forgotten books can be the keys to unlocking the story of two sisters and the photography studio they ran together in the early 20th century. All that and more in today's part two as we continue the story of the Snodgrass Picture Shop. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Serendipity, when something wonderful can unexpectedly happen. Now, it's hard to see at first how something wonderful can come out of having a broken arm. But as it turns out, that's exactly what happened with some of the negatives from the Snodgrass picture shop. It was 2009, and Walter and Alice Braun had just closed their photography studio in Caldwell, Idaho. They'd been running that studio for over 60 years. Walter, who was the primary photographer, had decided to retire at the age of 90. Alice, his wife, had just broken her arm, and their daughter decided to come to help out while her mother was recovering. While wandering in the basement one day, the daughter ran across a bunch of boxes that were all packaged up and labeled ready to go to meltdown. It turned out that inside those boxes were 500 pounds of silver nitrate negatives. Now, those negatives are photo negatives that could be melted down and the silver extracted for money. That was what was intended to happen with those boxes. But the daughter thought that maybe somebody would be interested in the photos themselves. And these were negatives that covered 16,000 images, the output of 80 years of photographic studios there in Caldwell, not only the Braun studio, but the Stanton and the Snodgrass studios before that. So the daughter coordinated with someone, coordinated with some archives, and the next thing you know, the Braun studio archive, the ones are the negatives from the Braun studio, well, those are got donated to the Idaho State Archives. But the rest of the negatives from the Snodgrass and Stanton studios, those negatives wind up getting donated to the College of Idaho right there in Caldwell. As that weren't fortuitous enough, a couple of years later, the archive receives another call that suddenly in the back of an old sock drawer, a bunch of ledgers were discovered, ledgers that actually list what all those negatives were. This is just pure gold now. We've got the negatives from the studios and the ledger books that explain what the negatives actually are. The last bit of serendipity that comes into this is how I wound up discovering this archive at the College of Idaho. My husband Chris and I had been researching early women photographers for this project, and we'd run across the name of Mary Snodgrass one day. We discovered that she and her sisters all ran that studio there in Caldwell, Idaho. That was a case where we'd run across the names, but we hadn't run across any photos by them. But then one day, when looking on the internet, we ran across an article that had been written by the archivist at the College of Idaho, a man named Jan Bowles, Well, he had written this article about the founder of the College of Idaho, a man named Dr. William Boone. The article was illustrated with a photo of Dr. Boone 
that had been taken by the Snodgrass Studio. So I contacted Jan and asked if I could get a copy of that picture for my project. And also, did he happen to have any other photos around? So you can imagine my surprise when Jan writes back that not only does he have more photos, well, he actually has boxes and boxes and boxes of negatives, plus those ledger books from the Snodgrass Studio. I mean, the Snodgrass Stanton Collection at the College of Idaho is extraordinary. It's a collection of the everyday output of an artisan photography studio in the early 20th century. The collection contains over 10,000 negatives, along with some original prints, and of course, those ledgers that document the photographs that are in those negatives. The Snodgrass Stanton Collection contains the output of both the Snodgrass Picture Shop from 1918 to about 1938, and then also some negatives from the Stanton Studio that was the successor to the Snodgrass Studio. But the bulk of the collection is the negatives from the Snodgrass Picture Shop between 1918 and 1938. Now, Mary and Margaret Snodgrass and Jesse Snodgrass, when she was still there, well, all of the Snodgrass siblings had very close professional and social ties to both the town of Caldwell and also to the College of Idaho. In addition to the usual types of portraits of people in town, the Snodgrass Studio took pictures of local businesses and events in town, and also the student pictures for the College of Idaho yearbooks and the high school yearbooks in neighboring towns. Interestingly enough, at least in the period 1919 to 1939, one of the things that the Snodgrass Studio does not seem to have done, at least not much, is take pictures of babies. Baby photos seem to have been the staple subject matter of artisan photographers in the 19th century and certainly continuing today. So it's interesting to note that the Snodgrass Studio, well, that just wasn't one of their specialties. Now, the negatives are all labeled by numbers on them, also with some notations for the names of the people who ordered the photos. That's actually noted on the negative as well. All of that corresponds to the information in the ledger books, so you can easily look up for any given negative, who it was that's in the picture, who ordered it, how many copies were paid for, and how much was actually paid for them. We can find all kinds of things in these photos. I mean, there are pictures of, you know, the ordinary people and the prominent people, like Dr. Boone. That was actually, of course, a picture of Dr. Boone that led me to the archive to begin with. In addition to the regular school pictures and the regular portraits of people, there are also something called stamp photos, which are small passport size photos of people. Now, this was a style of photo that the studio uh, decided to invest in at some point. It required different equipment. And so it's interesting to note that in the archive, we find these stamp photo sheets. They're negatives, but they're divided into like three by three grid. Now, finding this collection and getting access to work with it has been extraordinary because it provides new insight into how Mary and Margaret Snodgrass went about their business of running that studio. We get a sense of how they were doing year to year, what kinds of supplies they were buying, what kinds of cameras and equipment they needed, what kinds of photos were particularly popular. When those stamp photos come into vogue, it appears from the ledgers that they would set aside a particular time during the week to do that kind of thing. They would actually have to change the equipment, so that makes a lot of sense. And also, some of the pictures that exist of Mary and Margaret are when they're filling in the card, as it were. So the stamp photos are done on a negative where you'd have like three by three grid. So if they had their last card of the day and they hadn't filled it up, it looks like Mary and Margaret might have just taken a couple of pictures of themselves. And that's kind of fun to find in the archive. 
Now, in addition to the Snodgrass Stanton information that's in the College of Idaho archive, there are other materials that actually fill in some of the gaps about Mary and Margaret's life there in Caldwell, Idaho. As I mentioned last time, Dr. William Boone, who was the founder of the College of Idaho, was a really avid photographer. He was an amateur, but he did a lot with photography and different kinds of equipment. And he did things with Mary where they would go out and do their photography outings on a Saturday afternoon occasionally. What is also fun to discover, though, is that Dr. Boone was an avid diary keeper. He kept a daily log of his activities for many, many years. Several years ago, Jan Bowles, the archivist at the College of Idaho, arranged for someone to actually transcribe the original diary. And so that's really accessible now to search. And so when we got to the College of Idaho the first time, we actually dove into that transcription to see if we could find any mentions of Mary or Margaret Snodgrass. It's fun to see his note to himself to record the days that he went to get his picture taken, and that's actually made it easy to track down some of the pictures of him in this archive. Again, 10,000 images are a lot to sort through. One other thing from his diary solved a little bit of a puzzle that my husband Chris and I had run across when we were first researching Mary and Margaret's lives. In the census record from 1930, Margaret Snodgrass is listed, as she has been, as being single. But in 1940, what was puzzling is that it said she was divorced. Now, in 1930, she was almost 60. It was a little bit surprising to think that she might have gotten married. But sometimes in these census records, we do see notational errors. And so we had just brushed that off as, okay, maybe that was just a mistake. Maybe it didn't really mean she was divorced. However, in Dr. Boone's diary, there was an intriguing entry on May 18th, 1932. Dr. E.E. Dutton and wife nay, Miss Margaret Snodgrass, married 11 days, now seek a divorce. Folks wonder? So Margaret Snodgrass marries, at the age of 59, this man named Elmer Dutton, who is a local very popular and prominent doctor in town. But obviously the marriage doesn't last long, only 11 days. We haven't been able to track down any more information, and unfortunately Dr. Boone is rather mum on the subject in his diary. So I can't tell you any more about what happened, but after the divorce, Margaret Snodgrass goes back to being Snodgrass. She's no longer Dutton, which is why we had no clue until we saw Dr. Boone's diary. You just never know what kind of information or where it's going to come from when you're looking into the lives of these early women photographers. Now, Mary and Margaret Snodgrass run that studio, as I said, until 1939 when they retire. They sell their studio to a man named Stanton, and luckily, he kept all of their negatives and their ledger books. So when he sells his studio to Braun in 1947, Braun inherits all that material, and luckily for us, he kept it as well. And fortunately for us, the negatives were recovered before they were sent off to be melted down. After Mary and Margaret Snodgrass retired, they continued to live in Caldwell. We talked to the local historian in town, Chuck Randolph who recalls being a boy in the 1950s delivering newspapers to the two Snodgrass ladies. But from his perspective in the 1950s, they were just elderly ladies. He didn't have any idea they'd ever been photographers. But of course, by the 1950s, it had been a long time since they'd run the Snodgrass studio. Well, Margaret dies in 1954. Mary lives until 1969. I always hesitate to say it's fun to find the obituaries, but the obituary of Mary Snodgrass actually has a picture of her that's included in the obituary in the Caldwell Times. 
I'll include the pictures that I've mentioned in the episode notes for today's episode so you can actually see Mary and Margaret and also some of the types of pictures that they took in the Snodgrass Picture Shop in the early 20th century. Now, there's a lot more that can be learned from those ledgers and this collection, but unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time to sit down and really analyze it properly. So I'm going to have to promise to bring you that in a future episode. Before I leave Caldwell today, I'd like to give a special thanks to Jan Bowles, the archivist at the College of Idaho. Jan has been so helpful and so generous with his time and understanding of the materials and helping us figure out what's there and how we can utilize it for our research on the Snodgrass family. Jan's experience as a professional photographer running a professional studio for a while has really also been invaluable because he's been able to explain a lot of the materials and what was involved in working with them, the technologies and the papers and the film and the types of things that Mary and Margaret were doing there with their studio in the 1920s and 30s. I also want to give a special thank you to some of the assistants that he's had, including a woman named Bess Stonenberg, who wasn't actually Jan's assistant, but she did assist in actually transcribing Dr. Boone's diary, which is what makes it so easy to search these days to have that transcription available on the computer. She did that transcription of Dr. Boone's handwriting to a typewritten thing, and then Jan has actually put that on the computer. So that's been great to have as a resource. I also want to give a big thank you to a woman named Emma who worked with Jan when he first got that collection years ago. Emma managed to sort and organize all of those 10,000 negatives, putting them in archival sleeves for protection, making a log of all of the negative numbers and the notes on the negatives. That log is digital, and so that combined with the ledger books have made it really easy to sort out what's actually in those photos. I would like to thank David Douglas and other faculty and staff at the College of Idaho as well, who have been very supportive as we've worked with the Snodgrass Stanton collection. I'd also like to give a special thank you to Chuck Randolph, the historian there in Caldwell, who has generously donated time and materials for us to help give us an understanding of life in Caldwell. But as said, there is a lot more that we can learn from those ledgers and from this collection, and I'll be bringing you that in a future episode. And that reminds me, today is actually the last episode in season two here on the podcast. It's hard to believe, but it's been a year since I launched Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. As I look forward to bringing you season three, there are going to be a couple of little tweaks, a few surprises that I have in store, because I really want to bring you more of these women's stories. My husband Chris and I have been collecting this information for almost two years, and we have over 600 women that we've uncovered to date. At the current rate, this will take us decades to get through. So starting with season three, I'm going to start offering a few other things to bring you some more of these stories more quickly. Which also reminds me that I want to give a special thank you to my husband, Chris Cooley. He always refers to himself as just my research assistant, but he's really so much more. He's doing some of the research as well, but moreover, he's doing a lot of the stuff behind the scenes on the computer, making little tools and making sure that all of the material that we're gathering is properly organized so we have access to it as I bring you these stories. So I really want to thank Chris for all of his ongoing help on this project. And of course, I want to thank all the listeners like you. Without your support, none of this would have been possible either. 
Thank you for all of the messages and the donations that have helped keep the project running over the past year. So I hope you'll join me as we move forward into Season 3. As always, information about all the materials mentioned on today's episode will be available on the website at p3photographers.net. It's letter P, number 3, photographers.net. Also, if you have any questions or want to just drop me a line, send me an email at podcast at p3photographers.net. Plus, remember you can always follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash p3photographers. I'm really excited as we move into Season 3, and I hope that you will continue to join me as I bring you this exciting world of early women artisan photographers. So until then, I'm Lee, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.